American Thought Leaders, and I'm Yanya Kelly. Okay, they're very good. Right, that's Dr. Robert Malone, and that's just a little teaser, actually. You want to now? If you go to the Epoch Times, there's a story there about Dr. Robert Malone about the monkeypox thing. Have a look at that, and there's a link to the video. So definitely do that. Seven minutes past six, and uh, we're over uh, looking at weather, are we? Yes. Now I can't, nothing's happening with the um, Met Service. It's just all gone on the blink. Uh, I've tried refreshing it, so they're um, they're out at the moment. So uh, hang on, what's happening here? Oh, we might have something. No, nothing. Dead as a dodo. Okay, we'll look at um, Philip Duncan's weather. He's a great guy, and uh, so he's got a weather for, forecast for us. He says we've got a we've got a weak high pressure and it lies over the country today. Within this high pressure are a few heat lows, he calls them heat lows, and they're forming over both islands and it's indicating summer is on the way. For Northland, Auckland, Waikato, the Bay of Plenty, morning cloud breaks to mostly sunny weather, a chance of an isolated shower hanging about the eastern Bay of Plenty, winds from the southwest, afternoon sea breezes for eastern areas and uh, temperatures between 19 and 21 degrees. For Western North Island and also Central, you have uh, morning cloud, a risk of showers. Sunny areas increasing from this afternoon, west to northwesterly winds 16 to 18. For the Eastern North Island, partly cloudy. One or two showers possible, light winds tending east to northeast. Uh, that's from around midday. Dying out, though, later on in the evening, 19 to 22 for you. In Wellington, where that crazy um, drunk <laughs> mayor is, you need to resign, love. You need to resign and get your life together. Someone else needs to take over the job. Uh, you, anyway, in Wellington, you've got cloud. I'll say, I'll say, have cloud hanging over you. Cloud with a few light showers, breaking to sun in the afternoon. And you've got northerlies, uh, 17 to 18 degrees. For Marlborough in the top of the South Island, also Nelson. Nelson's going to be mostly sunny in northerlies. Um, early cloud clears in Marlborough, then mostly sunny as well. You've got light winds. Cloud overnight brings a bit of drizzle and showers. More so in the southern area of Marlborough. And you've got winds from the southeast, tending southeast. 19 to 22 for you today. Canterbury, mostly cloudy. North Canterbury may have some sun. And then it's going to be clouding up from the afternoon. Uh, from the afternoon, a few light showers or drizzle patches starting to move in as well. Becoming more widespread in the evening. Light winds tending south south to southeasterly winds before midday. 14 to 21 for you. Uh, for the west coast, mostly cloudy, a few showers clearing in the afternoon, and then you've got a few uh, sunny spells there breaking through. Fjordland's going to be mostly sunny from the morning, uh, once that rather morning cloud starts to dissipate. Uh, west to southwesterly winds for you, 16 to 19. And finally, for the south, way down in Southland, and also in, uh, not in Vicargo, yeah, well, it is, I suppose, isn't it? But Otago which is a further north from Southland, cloudy areas, and that's for Southland and the coastal Otago areas with just a few showers, mainly morning in Southland, uh, later in the day for coastal Otago. Central Otago has a mix of sun and cloud, and you've got south to southwesterly winds with a high today of 13 to 17 degrees. Now, I'll be back in just a moment. No, actually, just, just have a listen to this. This is Sam Edwards, uh, no relation to me. Uh, and this is a story that she, it's actually a documentary that she's done with uh, Counterspin, Counterspin Media. You can find them at counterspinmedia.com. And um, I think it's called Winston Rides Again. This is a clip from that. For all those who don't have themselves and their children vaccinated with every vaccine on the official schedule, this is a policy that could accurately be then called a no jab, no income at all policy. Here's Chris Luxon on The Morning Report saying just that. Do you support cutting benefits to solar parents who don't vaccinate their children? Yes, I do. 
Why? Um, because it's about a notion of rights and responsibilities. If you want to be part of New Zealand and civil society, you have certain inalienable rights, but you also have responsibilities to actually for the collective and, and helping the collective of New Zealand. Did you hear that? For the collective. Just hear that again. Abilities to actually for the collective and, and helping the collective of New Zealand. Yeah. Now he's learnt all that. He's not bright enough to come up with that himself. He's learned that. These are talking points. Uh, collectivism, you know, we've got, for the for the good of the group, got to do. We've got to do what's right for the group, the collective. Uh, we're going to learn what a collect what collectivism is all about. It's not as good as you think it is. Democracy is actually a wicked thing without a constitution. You've got to have a constitution. If you don't have a constitution, democracy will uh, is actually tyrannical. Let's just hear that again, just to just refresh your memories about what this former uh, former opposition. Now he's the leader of the country. He is the leader of New Zealand. He runs our government. But you also have responsibilities to actually for the collective and, and helping the collective of New Zealand. Why just target solo? So that means they can ride roughshod over you. <laughs> if you think about it, uh, I think Edward G. Edward Griffith, he, he mentions this, uh, which we're, we're going to he- hear from him in a moment. Uh, if you... The guy that's at the end of the rope, he's the individual, and the mob that's going to um, they want to lit the lynch mob. Uh, they are they the group, aren't they? They're co- they're the collective. So just listen to that again. I just want you to get it really clear about who Christopher Luxon is. Responsibilities. If you want to be part of New Zealand and civil society, you have certain inalienable rights, but you also have responsibilities to actually for the collective and, and helping the collective of New Zealand. Why just target solo parents and probably solo mums, really, if we're talking about it? Should that it's be extended? Should it, should it be extended to cutting working for families benefits? It, it, yeah, it should. Yeah, it should. There you go. So that's what he'll do. So he'll ride roughshod over your rights. The Bill of Rights, New Zealand, uh, Mr Luxon, says that no one has the right to force you to take any experimental medical procedure against your will. You can't be used for as an experiment, which is it's still experimental. Do you realise that that jab that they're still pushing is experimental? You've failed your IQ test. You failed it in two thousand and twenty. In two thousand and sixteen, you didn't because forty-seven percent of New Zealanders voted for the National Party, Bill English. But that traitor, his name is. Actually, that's not the one I wanted to play. Okay, so here's G. Wood Griffin. Uh, he's going to tell you what collectivism is and how dangerous it is. It's not easy to define the word collectivism in a few sentences because there are so many aspects to it. But it is easy enough to recognize a few of the major aspects, and you'll recognize it. One of the major aspects of collectivism is that it's based on the principle that the individual must be sacrificed, if necessary, for the greater good of the greater number. You'll find that under all forms of collectivism, whether it be Nazism, communism, fascism, socialism, or neoconism, or whatever you want to do. All of these forms of collectivism have that fundamental uh, philosophy or ideology beneath it. Now, that sounds pretty good to many people. It sounded good to me when I was in school and learning about the greater good of the greater number. After all, uh, we've been taught that we live in a democracy and... Therefore, the majority should rule and all of these things which sound very good if you don't probe too deeply. 
And so many people think that that's a good concept, but it's a terrible concept when you, when you follow it to its roots. Because you see, there's no such thing as a group. A group doesn't really exist. It's, it's all in the mind. Uh, the, the word group is an abstraction. It, it symbolizes in our minds the concept of many individuals. But group does not exist by itself. You cannot touch a group. You can touch individuals only. It's similar to the concept of the word forest. You can look at a forest, you say, well, I'm looking at a forest, but you're not. You're looking at trees. They're only trees. And so the word forest is this abstraction for the concept of many trees. And the same thing is true in social structures. The word group is a very deceptive word. We think that the group somehow has rights. Well, since there is no such thing as a group, we're really dealing with the concept of of many individuals having somehow more rights than and then a smaller group of individuals. And so uh, that really, if you follow it all the way to its core, is a question of mathematics. Uh, the collective is, is based on the substance uh, that uh, three people um, really have the right to tell two people what to do regardless, because there's three against two. And once you boil it down to the issue of mathematics, it falls apart, because um, human rights are not based on mathematics. Uh, I know we don't have time for a lot of this, but something that just occurred to me this morning when I was thinking about this concept. Uh, they say that the uh, the greater good of the greater number is is accomplished by giving the larger number the right to dictate to the smaller number. But when you think it through, it's just the opposite. Let's suppose that you had uh, uh, four different elements in society. You had a group called uh, red, a group called green, a group that's blue, and then a smaller group that are purple. The red, green, and blue represent different classes or groups of society, and the purple ones are the administrators, the government officials, the police, the courts, and all of the bureaucrats and the politicians that are going to regulate this great society. So you say, well, a group, uh, the first two groups, red and green, uh, decide to take all the property away from blue. And that's certainly for the greatest good of the greater number because red and green is a greater number than blue. So if that's your point, then finally the greater good of society has been served in that uh, equation. But now the next time around, uh, green and blue decide to take away the property of red. And you say, well, in that instance also, the greater good of the greater number has been served. And then finally, to round it out, you get, uh, uh, what did they do, red and green, green and blue. Well, blue and red then get together and take away the property of green. And here again, uh, the greater good of the greater number has been served. But when you stand back and look at the whole process, uh, all of the groups have been plundered by the others. And you might say, well, it all evens out, doesn't it? No, it doesn't, because there's a fourth group, the purple. And every time there's a plundering action going on, the purple wind up with a pretty good share of the action just for their administrative services. And so when you follow it all the way through at the end of this process, all of society has been damaged by this greater good for the greater number concept, you see. The only greater good for the greater number really comes from the concept of individualism. When you deny the majority, to, to take away the rights or the property of the minority. If you hold up the individual as the supreme element in society instead of the group, under that philosophy, under that ideology, now you do actually have the greatest good for the greatest number. Doc, that is not as in Doctor. His G. Edward Griffin, and you can see, you can hear him. He's 92 years old, and he's still as fantastic as ever. 
just a brilliant man. And uh, 50 years ago, he was warning us about about all this, about the communist inf- infiltration of the of the West. And um, and uh, Mickey Willis has done a documentary, a fantastic documentary. You can find the link to that on our website, which is thewireless.nz. Thewireless.nz. You'll find that link to Mickey Willis's documentary called The Great Awakening. And uh, so that was a clip from that, uh, where uh, Mickey Willis, M-I-K-K-I, by the way, if you're searching for it, uh, he interviewed him. So that's all about collectivism. Now, and we heard from, um, who did we hear now? I can't find another one now. Now, okay, so I want you to have a listen to Winston Peters here. Could Winston's reluctance to hold the criminal responsible be partly because he was Deputy Prime Minister and even Acting Prime Minister for a time, signing off on the murderous COVID emergency laws that deliberately coerced people into receiving those very poisons? Not only would pointing out the crimes of Pfizer also point to something that he was very much complicit in, but it also wouldn't be good for New Zealand's future relationships with Big Pharma, relationships that it appears that Winston would prefer to keep intact. And one other thing, wouldn't Winston's concern for the jab injured, if that's indeed what it is, have been evidenced at some other point along the way? Before now, like the actual real deal people's representative that decided to stand recently, who was loudly warning people about the dangers of the jab from the start, and interviewing the jab injured over the last couple of years and trying to help them in any way she could. If Winston's concern for the jab injured was as real as hers, surely it wouldn't just coincidentally show itself in the few weeks leading up to the election. I mean, it almost makes it look as if he's trying to scoop up that large and ever-growing group that's awake and aware, perhaps injured, pat them on the shoulder, bribe them with promises of compensation and justice, to get them back into the machine. That'd be a pretty low down thing to do if that was the case. Anyway, there have been a number of other connections between Winston Peters and pharmaceuticals over the years. In September 2020, Winston Peters announced his cooperation and support for a global vaccine facility called COVAX. Launched by Gavi and in partnership with the World Health Organization, the World Bank and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Winston matter-of-factly notified Kiwis everywhere that he, on our behalf, had now pledged our support and significant financial investment into this project. According to this government release, we, being the people of New Zealand, expressed our interest in not only joining the COVAX facility, but also in investing an initial 27 million, as well as indefinitely continuing indeterminate amounts towards Bill Gates and the World Health Organization's research and development of more so-called vaccines, also known as bioweapons against humanity. It's never been revealed exactly how much that figure has grown to since then, But we do know that in 2020, Parliament, with Winston Peters as Deputy Prime Minister, had already approved $181 to be spent on COVID measures. I, for one, would really love to hear Winston answer to the public on this decision, preferably before he gets back into Parliament, to give away another few billion of our near-destitute nation's dollars to the globalists to aid their depopulation agenda. Does he regret that apostate, and when it comes down to it, murderous decision? Will he endeavour to have us withdrawn from the Gavi Alliance once in Parliament? And more importantly, will he endeavour to have us withdrawn as a member state of the World Health Organisation, especially in the light of the upcoming International Health Regulation Amendments that are set to see the violation of human rights go to a level that far exceeds the COVID mandates, where bodily autonomy is set to be stripped as a human right. The World Health Organisation is run by a man 
who cannot even step foot in his own home country because he's wanted for genocide and mass murder there. A veritable bona fide genocidal maniac. Through the International Health Regulation Amendments and the Pandemic Treaty, our government is subjecting us to an organisation run by a man who it's well known has literally forcefully aided in exterminating an entire race of people through pharmaceuticals. Yes, our government would like to see us forced into a position of receiving the medicines the World Health Organization mandates for us at the advent of their declaration of a fake or public health emergency of international concern. Yes, a fake. <laughs> yes, they're mocking us. They know that we know. And this is an overt gloat about how blatant they can be and still get away with it. It is crucial to understand that at the advent of a fake, you'll not need symptoms or even testing to be required to submit to these IHRs, which upon investigation do indeed suggest the end of your bodily autonomy. How is it that we, the New Zealand public, can be aware of these issues of monumental importance, yet Winston hasn't stood up and spoken about them, ever? I've tried to contact him several times asking questions about the IHRs and have never received a response, even once. Surely the impending denial of our right to decline untested and potentially poisonous pharmaceuticals is an important issue that we should be allowed to discuss, especially now that we know from the Immunisation Agenda 2030 report that the World Health Organisation has 500 new so-called vaccines poised to enter our routine vaccination schedule. With Winston sidling up to a coalition with National, he would then be going into a coalition with a party whose leader has already said he supports the idea of a no jab, no job and no benefit policy for all those who don't have themselves and their children vaccinated with every vaccine on the official schedule. This is a policy that could accurately be then called a no-jab, no-income-at-all policy. Here's Chris Luxon on The Morning Report saying just that. Do you support cutting benefits to solar parents who don't vaccinate their children? Yes, I do. Why? Um, because it's about a notion of rights and responsibilities. If you want to be part of New Zealand and civil society, you have certain inalienable rights. These are all talking points. I hope you realise this. They're just talking points. He hasn't got the brains to figure this out himself. He thinks that being a collectivist is a great idea. Every tyrant through history was a collectivist. That Well, that's what they used. They used the collective approach uh, for, the group, for the good of the group. And we heard from G. Edward Griffin, it's a nonsense. But you also have responsibilities to actually for the collective and, and helping the collective of New Zealand. Why just target solo parents and probably solo mums, really, if we're talking about it? Should that it's be extended? Should it, should it be extended to cutting working for families benefits? It, it, yeah, it should. Yeah, it should. So the question here really is this. How will seeking JAD compensation from our government, aka the taxpayer, be of any benefit in the long run if Winston won't stand up to future vaccine mandates, as are obviously planned for us, if he won't stand up to it being done all over again, this time with even more catastrophic ramifications. Given Luxon's appetite for mandatory vaccinations and his fondness that he's spoken of publicly for his friend, the poison-pushing Bill Gates, wouldn't Winston need to be in opposition to Luxon to make such a stand on our behalf instead of being in coalition with him? You would think so, wouldn't you? You would think so. 26 minutes past six here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards. We'd better get on to the news. There's been a bit happening uh, while I've been playing these things. Now, uh, we've got a large fire. It's engulfed multiple properties in Auckland 
and we'll just um, I'll just bring you a bit more information on that. It's in Mangere Bridge, and I used to have a shoe store there. I had, a, I had a, a back when I way back years ago when I was nineteen. I bought my first business uh, with help from mum and dad. Well, Donald Trump had help from his dad, so why can't I have help? I didn't do quite as well as Donald. Never mind. A large fire has engulfed multiple properties in the Auckland suburb of Mangere Bridge overnight. Mangere, we used to call it. They wanted to change the name too, by the way, uh, but they never never did. Uh, emergency services raced to Coronation Road uh, just uh, before 3 a.m. this morning with uh, where a block of homes was well involved in flames. This is why I don't like the idea of them all being in a block, you know, like all together too close. Uh, that's why I think we should have the Kiwi Quarter Anchor. Uh, the fire which neighboured a large church was, oh no, not that one, was um, esc- has escalated to the third alarm level with dozens of firefighters working to bring it under control. 14 appliances, including a ladder truck and a specialist appliance, responded. Fire and Emergency New Zealand said no one was injured and an investigation will look into the cause. So that's probably still well underway. They'll be, they'll be putting that out. So that's uh, the latest news, which just just come through a moment ago. Also, it looked. Oh, hang on, we've got um, public services here. How expensive could it be for the government to get rid of the Tereo, in other words, the Maori language? Well, what did it cost? This is Lloyd Burr. He's got a story there, uh, probably well worth having a look at. Allegations of uh, fiscal mismanagement have been flying around Parliament with the new government accusing Labour of leaving nasty financial surprises. But Labour's firing. Uh, is firing back, accusing the government of using them as a scapegoat for a $2 billion tax cut shortfall. New Finance Minister Nicola Willis wasn't happy on Wednesday morning telling AM, that's the television programme we've got here called the AM, it's got um, uh, Ryan Bridge, I think he's on AM, isn't he? Oh, I don't know, I think so. Um, uh, that the, anyway, he t- she, she said the economic cupboard that's been left there and there are snakes and snails and nasty financial surprises under the hood. Labour's message back to her is, learn to read. If Nicola Willis didn't do her, uh, didn't do her job in opposition and actually read the, the pre-election economic and fiscal update, if Nicola Willis didn't do her job, okay, it's not their fault, according to Labour finance spokesperson Grant Robinson, old fatty. He's a, he's a homo, isn't he? You big fatty, big fat homo. He didn't like, he didn't like it. He got picked on when he was playing cricket in Wellington. He got picked on because he's a fat queer. <laughs> oh, and he wants it, wants, it, wants it all changed so no one's allowed to say anything like, you know, oh, you big homo. <laughs> no one's allowed to say it. <laughs> I just think it's great. Just, and I just think it's all part of free speech. If you want, you, we've got to be free. If you stop speech, if we're not allowed to just say how we feel, I mean, you should put a filter on, I suppose. I could do with a filter or three. But, you know, it's true. He's a big fat homo. He's big and he's fat. Kind of goofy looking. And he's a homosexual. And they, and why do we know that? Because they they, they broadcast it. I mean, no one should know. No one should know what you do in your bedroom. With your boyfriend, we don't want to know. It's sickening. <laughs> we don't want to know if you put put your willy in your. Oh, hang on, it's breakfast time. People will be having breakfast. We won't. We won't talk about that. Off roading, rough roading, pillow biting. Um, okay. So anyway, so that's what he said. And so he added, the government is lashing out because it can't fund its tax cuts. Oh, that's all rubbish. They just tell lies. The left tell lies. 
You're just a big liar. And uh, so, um, but I'm a bit annoyed in a way. I'm a bit annoyed with this government already. Luxon is, uh, he, he wants to reduce smoking uh, despite the policy rollback, but he won't comment to, to the same reduction rate. Uh, rather, he won't commit. See, no, he's, so he's backed down on that, hasn't he? He's had a lot of people come out against him. He's had, he's had um, you know, people within health. In fact, one doctor wants, uh, what's his name, uh, Retty, the health minister, Nationals health minister, wants him to resign. But he's probably put up to it. Well, he's paid leftists. And, then, you know, the, all the great doctors are gone, as you know. All the great doctors resigned, went and did, did other things now. They want them back now. The huge shortages of doctors and nurses. But they all left. I mean, New Zealand doctors speaking out with science.com. Don't go to it dot .nz, dot .nz dot whatever it is, dot .co .nz, because that's just a fake, a fake. They're pretending to be New Zealand doctors speaking out with science, but they're not. They're propagandists, probably put up to it by the last government. The problem we've still got is that we've got, um, we've got a deep state running the place. We've got um, bureaucracy. The, all, the, all the government departments, they're actually running our place. They just give these, you know, these actors like Luxon and the others... They give them talking points. I mean, Winston's probably going to be a little bit hard to manage <laughs> for the for the um, for the deep state. You know, he's sort of got a mind of his own. But I don't know if they're all that bright. I just think they're basically they, they learn their lines. They have got their talking points. You know, I think any I think any morning breakfast host, any of them could end up being a um, a great politician. Take I mean, Mike Hosking. In actual fact, he could run run New Zealand. Because he wouldn't be running it, he'd just be learning his lines and just saying what needs to be said, although he's a bit maybe a di- bit difficult to manage as well because he's got a mind of his own. Who else is there? Winston, uh, Leighton Smith. Leighton Smith. I was I always thought Leighton would have gone into radio. Uh, or he's in radio, rather, gone into politics, I should say. Uh, it was a bit of a shame when he left, but, you know, I guess he had to. Um, I still listen to the podcast from time to time when I get time. Very busy, but you should too. Um, it's called the Leighton Smith Podcast. And I think it's still put out by uh, ZB. Uh, what are they called? News Talk ZB. And he has some really good people. He would have been fired, I reckon, from ZB. Oh, maybe not. Eh, it would have been hard to fire him, but I think he would have, especially he's come out really pretty firmly against the last government. And so, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't stop. I'm surprised they kept going with his podcast, actually. Anyway, let's get back to this. So Luxon is starting to do, he's backtracking on the smoking thing. And... Um, What's the other headline here? Luxon refuses to pull Peters in into line after anti-media comments, and he just laughs it off. Well, I, I think he is embarrassed about it, but it's true, though. All that Winston said about the bribery, that the media were bribed with the $55 million, and there's a lot more than that. It's up to 60, nearly $70 million, plus the hundreds of millions of dollars in, in advertising for COVID, uh, all that sort of rubbish. Uh, so no, um, you know, Luxon. I don't. It almost looks like when you look at the man, it almost looks like Winston Peters is the leader, doesn't it? He comes across as the leader. Luxon's got his work cut out, hasn't he, to be the leader when you've got some pretty feisty people, especially with Winston, I think. And he needs to be. Winston needs to earn back a lot of favour because I mean, you heard Sam Bailey there. Um, I mean, he was pretty slippery. And let's hope he's not going to be slippery this term. Let's hope this next three years uh, that he does all that he campaigned on. And the other thing I don't like is that why is the New Zealand taxpayer, why, why do we have to pay for the investigation into the, into, the, um, into the whole pandemic thing with the rollout and the mandates and all that? Why are we paying? 
Why isn't Pfizer paying? <laughs> they should be paying. We shouldn't be paying for it. So we're paying. So we first of all we pay for our own poison to be jabbed into us. Uh, now then we've got to pay for our own uh, injuries. Uh, pay for the funeral <laughs> as well. A lot of people died. A lot more people died than you realise, and a lot more people have been injured. A lot of people are in denial. And now we've got to pay for an investigation into the whole, uh, you know, shenanigans that went on over the last three years. I'm just looking at a magpie walking up the road, and I'm just tempted to put you <laughs> put you all on hold while I go out and blow them away. We've got too many magpies at the moment, and they're a bit of a problem. They steal eggs from other birds, and I hope they're not after my chickens. They give them. They give them a bit of. They're actually. I don't know. They do make good pets, actually, um, magpies. But and I do love the sound of them. But we've just got too many, so I'm going to have to cull a few off. Anyway, talking about the magpies. Okay, we're back at radio or News Hub now. We're over at News Hub, and uh, it, also in crime, looks like a church has been robbed. They've taken everything: thieves steal brass altar pieces from Briscoe's Ladies Church. Briscoe's Lady Church. What? Briscoe's? Where's that? Briscoe's Ladies Anglican Church in Canterbury. I didn't know they had a church called Briscoe's. It's, I don't, maybe I'm not reading properly today. Uh, it looks as though it's the second time that St. Mark's Church in Marshlands has been targeted by thieves. Thieves have cleaned out a small Canterbury church, taking its brass altarpieces. Oh, probably they bought them from Briscoe's. Um, and other precious religious items which is naughty, shouldn't have religious relics. It's just nonsense. But you don't see any of this rubbish in the Bible, do you? If you read the Bible, you don't see them holding on to precious religious items. Um, and likely to be melted down, apparently. It's the second time St. Mark's Church in the suburb of Martians has been hit. I just said all that. People are being asked to contact police if they see any of the items for sale. Tammy Watson-Wells, I say Tammy, Tammy Watson-Wells, um, Popularly known as the Briscoe's Lady. Oh, it's her. Oh, okay. Now I understand. Now I understand. Why couldn't I get that heading? Let me try that again. Thieves steal brass altarpieces from Briscoe Ladies Anglican Church. Oh, okay. <laughs> it does, really. When you use your brain, when you're reading things. Uh, so that's, I didn't know that was her name, Tammy Watson-Wells. She's the Briscoe's Lady. Apparently there was a time when she was the most attractive. Well, I think she still is very attractive. But men wanted to met that was the ideal wife. Most men, they, they said, who would you like? Out of all the people in television in New Zealand, and it was her, she came up number one as the most um, eligible uh, to be somebody's wife. She's, she does, she's lovely, isn't she? Have a look at those Briscoe's ads. She does look nice. I, I think I can see why. Now, there was also, she, now, oh, she's been, she's been playing the organ at the little Anglican church since she was 13 years old. I didn't know that. Unless this is some other lady. I think that's her. She does the ads, the Briscoe lady. Oh, might not be her. I might be, I might be putting two and two together and coming up with six. I don't want to do that. So what else have they stolen from this church? Let's have a look here. Um, she told Check Point that she was sure that the same thieves who stole earlier in the year at Easter time, she said, I think they just came back to get the last of the little pieces that they hadn't got the first time. She said that they took anything that was of value. Oh, and what are they? They would have been melting it down probably. If they melted down, there's no chance of getting that back. Uh, oh, no, this might not be the same lady. We must have known that... Um, a, little, a little trowel. And it was 98 years old. Oh, they stole that. It would be solid silver or something like that, I suppose. 
Anyway, they want it back. Keep an eye out, won't you? Keep an eye out for that um, for those bits and pieces there. Uh, go and read the story. It's over at um, News Hub. You know, give them a plug. Now, what other stories have we got? The latest news. The latest news on News Hub. Well, it's the big fire in Mangaroo Bridge, and it's how expensive is it going to be to get rid of um, the Tereo? I thought I started reading that, but it didn't actually talk about that. It was talking about old fatty, fatty Grant Robinson going on about other things and Nicola Willis. Uh, the cost of demarifying public sector names. Here we go. It's likely to cost millions of tax. Well, it costs flipping hundreds of millions of dollars to put it in in the first place. And they didn't do it. Shouldn't have done it. They never got a mandate from any of us. None of us said. The other five, six of the countries didn't want to have uh, all this Maori language. It's a dead language anyway. No, Maoris don't even use the language. <laughs> it's just a rubbish. It's all designed by the communist globalists to divide New Zealanders, really. Yeah, they say, I don't expect an exact figure from anyone in the new coalition government. No one can say how much it will cost. That's despite the three parties, this must be Lloyd Burr, the three parties being elected on promises of fiscal responsibility and the efficient use of public money. No one can say how many are impacted either, nor which ones will be excluded. For example, Te Papa, Tangariwa, Museum of New Zealand, which Winston Peters said won't be renamed. No, of course not, because it was it was it, it started out as to Papa. Uh, I think that's fair enough. Um, there's about 27 organisations that fit the coalition agreement promise to ensure all public service departments have their primary name in English, except those specifically related to Maori. I agree with that. Um, but the thing is, it's weasel words because it says um, should in the coalition agreement and it should say shall and you know what these people are just going to carry on doing it there's no and they can't stop them they're just going to carry on saying you know Kiora you know the government departments are, you ring up oh, Kiora oh, Rosella I just say Rosella back as you know <laughs> but um it's not our language and I think what it is that we've got a bunch of racist Maoris that think we were here first in which you weren't here first and all the evidence that you weren't here has been covered up and hidden, hidden away, lock and key. Some of them, some information there about uh, pre, uh, pre-Maori uh, explorers and um, settlers to New Zealand has been covered up for 70 years. No one's allowed to know about it. Um, there's quite a, quite a bit, some archaeological evidence as well. Uh, we're not allowed to go and have a look at that wall, apparently. Not allowed to see it. So it's just uh, it's a crazy situation we've got in this country, really. We've, um, uh, I don't know, I do, I do believe what Douglas Murray said, and you'd never, you'd never guess he was a homosexual, would you? Because he doesn't go flaunting it in front of everybody. That's what I object to, it's just flaunting it. Anyway, Douglas Murray said there's a war on the West. In fact, he's written a book, and it is called The War on the West. And that's what we can see happening here. They're trying to destroy Western countries, and it's the globalists. What are they, why are they doing that? Well, they're doing that because... They have to. They want to do what they rebuild. They want to a, a great reset, which you know they all pretend they don't know what they're talking. Well, what's that? I've never heard of it. They're all telling lies. They all know what it is. They're all traitors. They're all collectivist traitors. They uh, their first allegiances with a foreign power, and you know, is it the WEF, the WIF? I don't know. Probably not. Probably just they're just little little pawns in the mix, just a a cog in the wheel. We don't really know. Who these people are that want to control our world, we don't really know. 
um, Dr. Robert Malone. That's what he said. We don't know who these people are. It's fifth generation warfare. We don't know who they are. And nor will we ever know. Probably. Um, but we Bible believers, we know where it comes from. It comes from Satan, the God of this world. Jesus called the devil the God, with a small g, the God of this world. He called him the father of lies, the father of all lies. And so pretty much just about everything that we get uh, about this world is lies. The only truth we're going to get is found in the Bible. John seventeen seventeen says, Thy word is truth. So you can trust the Bible. It's the only thing we can trust. We can't trust what other people tell us the Bible says. I mean, all the cults use the Bible. The Catholic Church is the biggest cult. Seven-day Adventist is the most dangerous cult because it's so close to the truth and yet it's so dangerously wrong. They say, oh, you've got to believe in Jesus. And then they throw you back under the law. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is another God. The Mormon Church believe that Jesus and the devil are brothers. And they all come out of America, 19th century America religion. The true religion is, comes from Shem, the sons of Shem. It's a Semitic religion. came from the Jews. And that one we can trust. But we can only trust the word of God. And we've got to be careful because there's corrupt words of God out there. The, the Jehovah's Witness, what do they use? The New World Translation, the one that says Jesus is a God. <laughs> the word was a God. Which doesn't even make sense. I mean, we 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 crawled all over Greek, all the different um, different types of readings of you know all the variant readings. We had to read Greek every day. Every time we went to school, we were sitting there in a circle reading reading from the um, what do we read from? I think we read from a a, a received text, um, a majority text, which the King James Bible is underlined by. But most of the translations come from the. Uh, United a, a United Bible Society's Greek text. Notice I use the indefinite article, not the definite article, because they change it all the time. So it's just one of many. But, and they all come from the Alexandrian text, which we heard from before 6 o'clock, I think it was, um, with Dr. Sam Gipp. What's the big deal about the King James Bible? It's a really big deal. Um, you can find that. You go over to YouTube, look up Sam Gipp, G-I-P-P, Dr. Sam Gipp, and over, he's got a, a, when you look on his YouTube channel, there's lists. So he's got the videos and then there's um, playlists. Look there. And one of them's called, What's the Big Deal About the King James Bible? We played episode one just before the six o'clock news this morning. And uh, it's very good. He's very, very good. Very good. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, these and thous. And, you know. But if you read the dedicatory at the very beginning of the King James Bible, if you get an old one, there's no these and thous in it because that's not English as they knew it back then. What you see with the these and thous is biblical English. And the reason why up in the north they still go, hey, oh, who's round is it? Oh, tis thine. Uh, is because they're basically just speaking um, from, they're so influenced from the Bible. They were just basically speaking biblical English we didn't have English as we know it today until 1611 before then we had sort of one and two syllable Anglo-Saxon words and Webster used the King James Bible to get the meanings of the words for his Webster's Dictionary 
dictionary if you're in the U- in the United States, dictionary if you're in the UK. <laughs> and if New Zealand, we just I don't know what do we go dictionary. Yeah, like Fiordland. Um, okay, so there we are. Oh, oh gosh, two of them are right next to the house. Two magpies. I just gave them a fright. Okay, so oh my word, there's a lot of you. Okay, um, I better better. I haven't got done much on news. We'll move over to Radio New Zealand and have a look and see what they've got on the boil. First of all, what's next for the transport challenges now that light rail has been halted? The government has agreed to cancel Labor's multi-billion-dollar light rail plans. But it's not clear what they're going to do instead. Other top stories, ECE providers, they're struggling amid falling enrolments. That's early childhood services. They say that they're running on a knife edge after enrolments dropped and record num- and record numbers, they went out of business. So they've got them going out of business. The enrolments have dropped. Why is that? Well, people just don't want to send their kids to be indoctrinated anymore. They've watched it. They've had enough. They're going to homeschool. It's not safe to send your little kiddies off to be indoctrinated by uh, pedophiles and, uh, you know, perverts, you know, weirdos, leftists, you know, teaching them all sorts of rubbish. I mean, even back in the late 60s, you know, I was, we had a teacher that was trying to indoctrinate us to hate all Jews. She said they should be pushed into the sea. That was at the beginning of the Six-Day War. they stolen all the land off the Arabs. They should be pushed into the sea, she said. Now, I can't remember. She was a big fat woman. I remember that. Like the chocolate cakes, like the cakes, you baking. Uh, I can't remember whether she was uh, German or, uh, you know, an Arab. I don't know. I can't remember. I remember she made me. I stood up to. Her, I said no, because you know I went to Sunday school. My dad taught me quite a lot. Even even at seven, I knew quite a lot. I knew that the Jews were God's chosen people, and I knew that they would be called back into the land. Dad taught me, showed me the Bible. I verified it. Ezekiel 36. And we've got Christians today pretending that the Jews aren't the the right Jews. That's because they believe in a theory uh, called successionism, I think it is. Supersessionism, which is basically replacement theology. So the Catholic Church came up with this doctrine a long time ago. So long ago that people don't realize it's a Catholic doctrine. A lot of charismatics grip onto it because the Roman Catholic Church invented the charismatic movement. And this replacement theology, whenever you see, see, whenever they see the word Israel in the Old Testament, that now refers to the Catholic Church. Of course, they don't say that's the Catholic Church. Now they just say the Church. So they've got this idea that the Church is the spiritual, is the new, is Israel. And that is not the case. That is totally unbiblical. That comes out of Rome. Rome is a counterfeit religion. It is the enemy of the Lord's true people. And Roman Catholics that are in it are commanded to come out. So if you really do believe in the Jesus of the Bible and not the not the uh, Roman Catholic Jesus, which is Tammuz, which was uh, Nimrod and Semiramis' son, gored by a bull, the the T for Tammuz. It's not the t, it's not a cross. It's the T for Tammuz, and the eggs of fertility, the goddess of fertility. That's Venus, where you get venereal disease from. <laughs> It's all about sex. That's why they've got phallic symbols all over the world because it's basically a Babylonian goddess worship. And all through Rome, even Washington, it's all Roman Catholic, which is Babylonian goddess worship. Absolutely wicked. God hates it. So that church is the enemy of the Lord's people. And in, I think it's in Revelations, the last book of the Bible. And it's um, chapter 18, I believe, talking about Babylon. And Babylon has always been code for Rome. 
one of the apostles, Peter, I think, was it? One of them. One of them used it, said, you know, to the church in Babylon. Wasn't referring to Iraq. He was referring to Rome. He was speaking in code. Didn't want, you know, didn't want them to go out and be searching, to hunting down house to house to find the church in, that was meeting in Rome. So he called it Babylon. And so she's the great harlot, the mother of all harlots. And the Antichrist is going to use her to come to power. She's going to ride the Antichrist. <laughs> the woman rides the beast. If you look in Revelation, there's all sorts of imagery there. But if you study the book of Daniel with the book of Romans, you've got to do it yourself. You know, and it's hard. Some things are hard in the Bible. Some things are very hard. But, you know, the Bible was written for us. It wasn't written for, you know, the top scholars. It was written for everyday people. Jesus went, he came, he didn't go to the religious people. He came to fishermen. Imagine that, you go down to Auckland Wharf or somewhere. Go, hey, oh, hey, how are you going there? Oh, I'm going, I'm going to go fishing. Oh, I don't want you to go fishing today. Oh, hang on, I'm speaking the wrong accent. Um, anyway, any fishermen, you know, they're off fishing. They swear like troopers, don't they? Swear like sa- Western sailors and soldiers. Fishermen, they're pretty rugged. Jesus went to them. Anyway, that's what he did. Now, um, we do have news coming up. I don't know, sort of lost track about what I was talking about. Kids, yeah, getting back to early childhood centers. So they're all going broke because people do not want their kids to be indoctrinated by these half-wits. Now, we've got a call for the health minister to quit over the plans to axe the smoke-free legislation. A recently retired intensive care specialist says he saw patients suffer heart all emotive, emotive stuff. He saw patients suffer heart attacks from being jabbed. No. <laughs> no, heart attacks and strokes and lung disease from their exposure to smoking. Well, there's no real evidence of that. People get melanomas where the sun doesn't shine. Uh, people have diet, they have lung disease, um, and they've never smoked a cigarette in their life, never been around anyone that smokes. But there's one common denominator. They've all, been, they've all had their early childhood vaccines. And if you listen to Steve Kirsch, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to Radio New Zealand in just a moment. Steve Kirsch, he says that he writes about COVID mitigation policies, vaccine neurological diseases and conditions, corruption, censorship and early treatments. He says the data shows that vaccines are ruining the health of Americans and driving the epidemic of neurological conditions. That's Steve Kirsch. That's what he thinks. Now, I often go on, I don't want to keep repeating myself. I do. They say that repetition is the key to learning. Seven minutes to seven here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast with me, Grant Edwards. And what are we talking about now? So, yeah, so he's obviously just, you know, some nutbag. Is that the same um, recently retired intensive care specialist that um, got the vaccine without checking, you know, the the so-called jab and and, uh, encouraged everybody else to take this experimental biological agent without thinking properly? Just went along with it because he didn't want to lose his retirement or didn't want to get sacked or whatever. Is he one of those? Yeah, probably. Now, uh, another story is, I'm sorry, that's what she said. This is the St. John's Dispatcher. She she apologises for the mistake that she made during the terror attack. Armed offenders squad members, they rushed to Christchurch Hospital's emergency department in the middle of the terror attack uh, in a response uh, after the the false report by a St. John's staffer. She'd made a mistake. Poor, Poor girl. And this is hurting people, apparently. Michael Baker, photos are fraudulently used to sell a product. Epidemiologist Michael Baker, who needs a good dose of arsenicum, uh, is uh, concerned 
about his image being fraudulently used to sell a product called Blood Balance. Wellington Mayor Tori Huanau, she admits alcohol was a problem. It certainly is. No, the problem is that you're still in the job. She's admitted to having a, a drinking problem after, you, you're not, you're a drunk. That's what you are, a lazy drunk, can't be bothered giving up. It's not, an, it's not alcoholism, alcoholism, that's just nonsense. You just People say that, they're just trying to palm it off. Oh, it's a disease, so I can't help myself. It's a bit like when, oh, I got a, set, I got a um, what's the other one now? Was it Michael Douglas said he's got a sex addiction? <laughs> no, you, no, it's rubbish. You just, you just are weak, you're weak-minded. People like this, like this uh, Tory, Tory Whanau, Whanau, whatever you want to call her, she's just weak. And she, she said, that there's been two, I think in the last couple of months, there's been two you know, bad drunken behaviour in public. And so she should be called to resign. And I can't believe she's not, probably because she's a Maori, they can get away with murder. The other crazy thing that's going on on the front page of Radio New Zealand is Indian nurses. They lead the international influx into New Zealand. This is massive, this Indo-New Zealand news here. Uh, almost 50% of trained nurses who have registered to work in New Zealand since the country's borders opened last year, was it only last year? They, they have relocated from India, they're immigrants from India. Other news, not impressed. Councillor slams uh, the Mayor Brown's idea of leasing port. Auckland's Mayor says his plan to lease council assets to pay for the rising costs of running the city is not asset stripping. Of course it's not. They're leasing. They're not selling. North Shore Axe uh, attacker, he's been acquitted on the grounds of insanity. Oh, yeah. Was he a Maori as well? Probably. A Maori Muslim, maybe. Axe attacker. Is he? Uh, how are we going to know? It was in a Chinese restaurant. Probably um, xenophobic. The man who was accused of an axe... Uh, Oh, sorry, so the man he used an axe to injure six victims at a Chinese restaurant. He accepts he did attack people, but he's been acquitted on all charges due to insanity. Fire crews tackle a large blaze on Auckland's North Shore. 60 firefighters, they're there on Auckland's North Shore trying to put that thing out. That happened last night. And also in the early hours of this morning, Mangaroo Bridge, uh, a big fire there. 14 appliances, um, big fire there. And uh, detail, the detail, this is, now the detail, that's, um, I think it's a podcast, and uh, yes, the detail makes Apple's end-to-end top 10 podcast list, the detail has been named one of New Zealand's favourite podcasts for 2023 on Apple Podcast Platform, they'll be um, just ahead of me, I suppose, I'm on Apple now, the Liberty NZ Broadcast. Oh, speaking about that, we're going to be changing from the wireless because someone else has snitched the name. We started the wireless in 2007. You know, today's best, today's best country with Mary Jane, my sister-in-law. She was, she was doing all the, she did a lot of it. And I've actually lost a lot of stuff actually. And then the, then the marriage broke up. The wife booted me out, as they do, housekeepers. <laughs> so that put an end to that. I had all sorts of planned. I had radio. Radio station, and what else did I have planned? Um, a magazine, a sort of a weekly magazine that was all planned for the Central Hawks Bay. Central Hawks Bay is a really good place to test a radio, a low-powered radio station because it's very flat, and so you just put up an aerial, and away you go. You can, whew, you can go all over the place. And then once we knew what we were doing, uh, a bit like what we're doing here, um, we will probably go FM eventually if we don't go pirate. Might go pirate. Why not? You have to catch me. You have to catch me. There's all sorts of ways to get round it now. And, you know, with people like me, with the stuff I say, 
I mean, what's the point of getting a license? <laughs> they're just gonna, they're just gonna take the license off me for saying what I say. I might even just stay on the internet and not worry about FM. I mean, it's crazy anyway. I mean, I actually, um, I, I was, I was talking to what they call a spectrum sound engineer, <laughs> and then when he found out who I was, never heard from him again. I wrote numerous emails. Oh, hello, did you get my last email? I would say. They, they're thinking, oh, we don't want people like him. We don't want bigots like him, religious fanatics and um, people that talk badly about Jacinda and, you know, anti and people that are anti-vax. I'm anti-all-vax, all of them. They're all bad news. I'm damaged by vaccines. That's why I'm like I am. That's why I can't read properly. I struggle with reading. I really struggle with reading, reading aloud. It's a, it's a major problem for me. Sometimes I'll just look at a bunch of words and I can't even, like, make out what they are. And... Um, you know, and my parents said that, and I think, you know, those that listen to the program will know, uh, my parents said that I had a, some set of vaccines and they said all of a sudden, you know, you're just this bright, bubbly boy full of questions, you know, when you're about four or five or something or younger. And all of a sudden you just stopped asking questions. I think it might have been three. And I can definitely remember, I definitely remember this, not being able to think, not being able to put thoughts together and put questions t- together like I used to be f- always asking questions and I just it just stopped and I remember having trouble thinking and I thought well that's it that's when it happened and it was that was the jabs my parents told me it was the jabs and uh, so they they wouldn't recommend anyone and I wouldn't recommend anybody having any childhood vaccines Steve Kirsch has done the work he's got 231,000 um, subscribers uh, he took a survey of 10,000 people out of that 1,000 gosh there's a Flipping hair running up the road, it looked like running up like a dog. Hey, look, I'm going to go to news and I'm going to go and shoot that here because it's actually huge. Uh, so we'll do that. We'll go straight over to um, Patrick Henningsen now. We'll listen to him and we'll go to the news and uh, then I'll be back after I shot that here. Here, top of the hour. That's all we got time for today. Author and journalist Hala Jabber. You want to follow her on X Twitter and she's also a frequent speaker on Twitter Spaces as well. Great analysis. Appreciate you joining us on TNT, Hala. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. There she goes, ladies and gentlemen. Follow Halla and her work. And big thank you to Freddie Ponton, another great journalist in the first hour from France. All this is looking like it's shaping up to be yet another big week. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place, right here. Take care, you guys. Patrick Hannigson signing out. To hear a replay of this hour, go to episodes at tntradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Israel Today said it's checking claims by Hamas that Kafir Bibas, a baby who was snatched and taken into Gaza by the terrorists, was killed in an Israeli airstrike alongside his mother and brother. Hamas's armed wing Al-Qassam brigades claimed, without providing evidence, that the 10-month-old baby, his mother Shiri Silberman Bibas, and 4-year-old brother Ariel were killed in an Israeli bombardment before the truce was announced. Kafir's father, Yarden, who was also taken hostage by the terrorists, was not mentioned in the statement. The IDF said they have spoken to the Bibas family about the claims. The World Health Organization this week warned that disease could cause the most deaths in Gaza amid the Israel-Hamas conflict that erupted last month. The UN-backed health agency said that the health care system needs to be repaired, warning of a surge in infectious diseases and diarrhea in children. The WHO's Margaret Harris said during a UN briefing in Geneva on Tuesday, Eventually, we will see more people dying from disease than we are even seeing from the bombardment if we're not able to put back together this health system. 
The Washington Post has joined the growing list of companies halting advertising on X, a decision influenced by recent controversy surrounding Elon Musk. Mediaite reports that following allegations of hate speech and anti-Semitism across the platform, the Washington Post has become the latest advertisers to pull its ads from X, formerly known as Twitter. This decision comes in the wake of a series of controversies linked to Elon Musk, the owner of the platform. There are growing concerns among major advertisers about the direction of the platform under Musk's leadership. Virgin Atlantic is celebrating becoming the first airline ever to send off a commercial airline fully powered by sustainable jet fuel on a transatlantic flight. The Boeing 787 passenger jet, dubbed Flight 100, took off from London's Heathrow Airport on the morning of November 28th before landing at John F. Kennedy International Airport, New York City. The test flight did not carry fare-paying passengers, but consisted of engineers, scientists, and industry experts. The U.K. Civil Aviation Authority earlier this month granted permission for Virgin Atlantic and its partners, including Rolls-Royce, Boeing, and BP, to fly Tuesday's Virgin Atlantic flight after a series of technical reviews in 2022. Additionally, the U.K. Transport Department provided £1 million to plan and operate the flight. The sustainable fuel is made up of 88% hydroprocessed esters and fatty acids, or waste fats, supplied by AirBP, and 12% synthetic aromatic kerosene made from plant sugars. Nobody thought it was going to be possible ever for uh, long-haul airlines to be able to fly on sustainable aviation fuel. Um, today we hope to, hope to prove the skeptics wrong. Abby Own, cousin of the Calderon family, who had two family members returned by Hamas, discussed the condition of those returned and who was still in captivity. Uh, how are they doing? They're doing physically okay. Look, they, um, they weren't wounded, which is positive, but they were malnourished. They came home much skinnier than they were 52 days prior. But they're in one piece and they're home with their mother. And now we are fighting for their father Ofer and for every hostage that's still there. Wow. Yeah, their father is still being held hostage. I, I believe that the day that they were released, all the children who were released in that group still had a father in captivity. And you have to wonder right. if that is by design, by some sort of psychological torture uh, by Hamas uh, to you know instill on these children, still with the fear that one of their parents is being held. Exactly that. It's amazing that they're home it's everything okay okay we'll leave that where it is <laughs> sorry about that no i went out there to find this here it was huge it was like a like a like a young greyhound running up the up the track towards the house and um and by the time i put a couple of shots in the old shotgun a couple of cartridges in there i crept out there and he's gone disappeared don't know where he went but he was huge he was quite big <laughs> i thought it was a small dog at first but it was a hare Yes, um, we seem to be getting a few hairs actually lately. I don't know; they don't taste quite as nice as rabbit. Anyway, so let's um, let's move over to weather, uh, and then we'll come back to um, the news with Radio New Zealand News. We'll go to eight this morning, I suppose. We'll have to now. Okay, so I'll just do a quick refresh on um, um, where are we? Met service. We've got them back going again, so that's good, isn't it? Uh, Manukau has the highest temperature at the moment. Manukau has fifteen point three degrees. Omarama. Uh, still pretty low, 5.8. That's in the, in the um, Mackenzie country. Gets down to minus 9.7 there, I think it was in June. I think I told you that. 26 kilometres per hour th- through Queenstown at the moment, down near the bottom of the South Island. Hokitika is a wee bit moist there, 0.4 millimetres. 
Temperatures right across the country, they seem to be varied, mostly double digits up on the North Island, South Island mostly single digits, high singles. Uh, the short forecast in the west from Northland to Horobanua, including Taumarunui uh, or Taramanui and Coromandel Peninsula. Cloudy periods for you. For the Bay of Plenty and Taupo, areas of cloud and you've got the odd shower at first, clearing this afternoon and becoming fine. For Gisborne, Hawke's Bay, the Bay of, uh, Bay of Plenty, no, no, just Hawke's Bay and Taihepi, mostly cloudy with isolated showers, clearing about Gisborne this evening. For Kapiti, Wellington and Wairarapa, also for Marlborough and Nelson, cloudy areas this morning with isolated showers in Kapiti, Wellington and Wairarapa, and then mainly fine weather. Showers developing about Marlborough this evening. For Buller and Westland, mostly cloudy with a few showers, clearing this afternoon with fine spells increasing. For Canterbury, Canterbury has uh, mostly cloudy weather with isolated showers turning to rain this evening. For Otago, Southland and Fjordland, you have got cloudy periods, you've got a few showers about the south coast and isolated showers developing elsewhere this afternoon. And finally for the Chatham Islands and its Oilands, you've got uh, mostly cloudy, uh, but you've got a few showers. The extended forecast for Friday, that's tomorrow isn't it? What are we Thursday today? Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, you've got, for the North Island, mainly fine weather. Uh, but a few scattered showers in the east. For the South Island tomorrow, mainly fine weather. Uh, but you've got a few showers in the east as well. So the east is not doing, but it's going to clear a bit later on. Over the weekend for the North Island, mainly fine with isolated showers. The South Island is going to be mainly fine as well on the east. But showers, isolated showers, that is, in the Otago and Southland area. Rain is developing in the west, becoming heavier later. Sunday for the North Island, rain's developing. So it's all turning to toast turning to custard and uh, that's uh, developing in the west that is on Sunday possibly heavy about Taranaki central North Island areas and the Tararua Ranges uh, only scattered falls in the east for the South Island on Sunday heavy rain heavy rain in the west easing later occasional rain developing elsewhere the Chathams your long range forecast mainly uh, it's going to be showers they're going to be clearing on Friday and then mainly fine a scattered rain developing late Sunday, southwesterly winds dying out on Saturday, and then strong northerlies are going to be developing on Sunday. And there was also something happening about uh, what do we have here? We had um, uh, there was a there was a news story uh, about um, uh, cyclones. There's another one developing apparently, and the only reason why we don't get too many down here usually is because the highs keep them up keep them up up north of the country it's nine minutes past seven too by the way now we'll go back to rnz and we'll just finish off there we the last story i think we had was about the detail uh another one here i've got was canterbury canterbury has a 10.8 billion dollar transport wish list uh this is um put out by their local democracy reporting team uh, Canterbury mayors are backing the call for a $10.8 billion investment into local transport infrastructure but the government will need to help. That's what they say. Another heading here at Radio New Zealand is uh, drugs and weapons were seized during a police operation in the Wairarapa. One person has been arrested while, uh, while drugs, weapons and a vehicle has been seized during a police operation that was earlier today. In the early hours, a court of appeal reserves decision over David Tamahiri's conviction. Uh, a Justice French said time was needed to review the material that has been presented to the court over the course of the last two days. Morphine shortage, apparently. Uh, it's got health workers worried. Stocks are dwindling and expected to run out in December due to a manufacturer, Pfizer, oh gosh, <laughs> closing the factory in Australia. I suppose they have to, don't they? Going broke.
got to pay all this money to the people that invented the mRNA uh, stuff. mRNA, is that what it's called? mRNA, I think it is. They've got to pay all the stuff back to them. According to, where, where do we read that? I think that was on um, the Epic Times, I think it was. It said they had to pay all this back. They are taking a, a dive, and so they should. They've murdered, murdered just so many people. Uh, sorry about the noise. That a microphone. I have to put a bit of um, three-in-one oil on my microphone um, equipoise. <laughs> it's an old-timer. Anyway, uh, concerns over man posing as a building inspector uh, visiting Wellington. We'd had that earlier on in the year, didn't we? The local city council was warning residents to be on the alert for a man visiting homes claiming to be a building inspector. So he's actually probably just casing the joint. Or Auckland Mayor Wayne Brown, he um, proposes Auckland Future Fund to help stem rate hikes. The fund would be created from the proposed sale of the Auckland Airport shares and also leasing the ports of Auckland operations. So, uh, also, so that's yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, now expect more shark sightings in on New Zealand beaches as the summer approaches, according to Doc. This is going to be a um, a story about uh, climate change. <laughs> I can see, it, I can feel it coming. The Department of Conservation has advised of on keeping safe in the water after a large shark was spotted near Rabbit Island near Nelson. I didn't know that was where Rabbit Island was. I thought that was up north. Uh, should we have a look at that? I guarantee that'll be that'll all be to do with climate change. And it looks like it's a great white shark by the look of it. An expert says that a shark, a large shark filmed off a popular beach uh, that was near Nelson is very popular. Great white, oh yeah, there it is. Probably a great white, very probable that it is. And it shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone. Why is that? Well, over the weekend, a large shark was spotted near Rabbit Island on Nelson's coastline. Uh, Based on the creature's behaviour and shape in the video footage, the Department of Conservation marine scientist Clinton Duffy, he believed it was a great shark. Duffy told Morning Report that sharks were performing their seasonal migration en masse from the tropics to New Zealand around now and could be found off most parts of the country. Although our rarest large shark, the Great Whites, were seen regularly in the upper North Island throughout the year, but as, as summer approaches, they would become more abundant further south. Oh. They normally just sort of hang out just you know, about where the, where the surfies hang out with their legs over the, uh, on their, sitting on their surfboards and their legs dangling in the water. That's where the sharks fish out there, just beyond the surf line, you know, the, the, the breakers. <laughs> uh, the most important thing to do when you see a great white shark is to stay calm. <laughs> I hate sharks. <laughs> I always have. Even swimming in a lake, I'm thinking, ooh, I get worried about anything that's underneath me, the Loch Ness Monster. And it was all, it's because I saw Jaws. It was back in the 70s. I went to see Jaws. It scared the tripe out of me. <laughs> and, you know, I'm a yachty. I can remember one, one year um, we had the kids with us, and we didn't have a very big boat. We had a Townsend 9 metre, I think it was. Was it on that? Yeah. Then we got the 50-footer after that. But we had this... Hang on. What did I have? No, I had the 38-footer, sold that. Then we bought a 30-foot Townsend, which was actually quite roomy. Des Townsend designed that. It was really good. It was a hard giant, but I loved it. Great boat. Really good. Anyway, we, we just sailed up and we just dropped anchor um, at Kawao Island on the, out, on the outside of Kawao, on the eastern side. Was it? No, the western side, between, um, between the mainland and Kawao Island. 
And apparently, I'd heard that there used to be some place where the sharks used to sort of hang around because there was some sort of a place where they would dispatch, I don't know, they used to go there to feed or something. So there was some kind of a factory happening not far from there, and that's why there were so many sharks. This one, I don't know what it was. It wasn't a tiger shark. I don't know, but it came towards the boat. And um, I was just putting the anchor in the water, and this thing sort of swam at me. <laughs> and then it went round. We were going to go for a swim. It was in um, in Ladies Bay, you know, back where uh, the visitors to um, Cowboy Island to Mansion House during the time of Governor Gray, they, they named it Ladies Bay. That's where the ladies swim. Because men and women didn't swim together then. Anyway, this shark like, shot at me from about, oh, where was it coming from? Uh, from about two o'clock <laughs> looking ahead as I was, we were laying the anchor. My wife was very good at laying the anchor. She was better than me at that actually laying an anchor. She'd dig it in real real good. Her dad was a master mariner, um, you know, foreign-going vessels. And um, so he, and he loved He was pretty good. He did the, the, the ferries, you know, the ones that go across the channel um, to um, to France. And so they didn't have, they weren't, they didn't have tugs and things pushing them around. And they were big, these big ferries. I mean, he could just like maneuver them around. He was very good. And I watched the first time I met him, he was coming in to, I think it was the first time, Yes, and I watched him manoeuvre his 38-foot yacht that he'd sailed all around, him and his wife had sailed all around the world. And Well, not by then, they hadn't, they just sort of started, but they come from the UK, they went up all through the islands. Um, I think they went through Panama, through the islands. And um, and I watched him manoeuvring his boat, and I thought he's pretty good. And he said, basically, the secret is you've just got to get wash on the prop, from the prop, you've got to get wash on the rudder. Uh, then you can steer the boat. You've got to get some wash on it. And it, it actually, what it does is by getting that propeller to really put the wash of the water onto the onto the um, rudder, it, it's almost like you're moving along in the water. So you really rev it up. And so he was he was very good. Anyway, so what am I talking about? How did I get onto that? We're talking about sharks. Uh, yeah. Anyway, this big fat shark. Oh, that's what we're talking. Then I went off to my wife. You know, with it laying it. You know, and then got onto Granddad. Okay, no. So this shark, and then it started circling around the boat. <laughs> and um, you know, I said, "Oh, kids, you know, stay away. Don't go near the edge." <laughs> I had this paranoia about sharks, and it was probably fine, just inquisitive. But I do. I get a bit scared of them. Anyway. So watch out for the great whites. The most important thing to do is when you see a great white shark is to stay calm. If you're in the water, obviously, you're going to get out of the water as quickly as you can without going too quickly uh, as they, uh, um, and as quietly as possible. And if you're in scuba, scuba diving, you should stay on the bottom. Keep an eye on the animal and don't attempt to leave the water until it has moved away. Ah, leaving the water... You're best to do that either by surfacing directly underneath the boat uh, that you're uh, that you're from, or swimming along the bottom, and then getting out of, uh, on the shore or a nearby rock. Okay, so you don't want to just like go up to the surface; you just look like bait. Now, the typical what's typical for a great white uh, is to investigate any novel object that they come across in their environment by swimming up looking at them and biting them just to see if it's something they might want to have a gnaw on. <laughs> Yuck. However, there are many interactions with divers that have, this has not resulted in, in attacks, according to Duffy. He, Duffy said that people should treat uh, any shark over 1.8 metres long as a potentially dangerous um, animal. However, most sharks were no trouble at all 
and with the summer approaching they expect to see many bronze whalers, hammerheads. I remember sailing through a bunch of hammerheads, there must have been a hundred of them. We're off off the coast of um, Oriwa and this is wife number one and um, we just sailed through these things basking in the sun. Had this kite up, spinnaker up and uh, yeah, wow, there's big ones and little ones and I think I nudged one, hammerheads. Yeah, there we go. So they're asking, this is Doc, Department of Conservation is asking for any sightings of the great whites or other protected marine species. Oh, they're protected. I wonder what they taste like. Hmm. Uh, they're supposed to be reported to the hotline, which is 0800-DOC-HOT, D-O-C-H-O-T. That is the dock line. Yeah, nothing like a dock line. And they look nasty, don't they, those great whites? Yeah, it was Jaws that put me off. 19 minutes past 7 here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards, rabbiting on. Now, we'll go away from sharks and we'll go to No More Poo or Portaloos in Masterton Gardens. Oh, really? Council supplies 21 properties with the new influx valves and wastewater tanks. Do they? No More Poo or Portaloos. Ooh, yuck. Oh, look, it's all flooded. You don't want that. Human waste regularly flooded against uh, flooded gardens in Masterton's Coburn Street during and after heavy rain. After years of wastewater flooding, Masterton residents, their homes, or it's, that's what it does during the heavy rain, a solution is f- finally in sight. The Masterton District Council uh, spokesperson confirmed 21 properties that have been offered fixes on a property-by-property property basis, the remedial work is expected to be finished by the end of the year. Wastewater has poured into infected properties during storms, which have needed temporary portaloos uh, when their toilets become unusable. One resident this year said she suspected faeces had been found found its way into her kitchen sink. Oh, yuck. The flooding problem had existed for some time, but appeared to be to have worsened over the past two years with all the rain I suppose we've had. So how are they going to fix it? Let's see if I can get down to the bottom and find out how they're going to do it. They've got a team of contractors. They've worked hard to install solu- install solutions for those residents impacting uh, during... Oh, so I think I know what they'll do. They'll put a sort of like a pump on it. It'll be a sealed unit and it'll be a pump, so they'll pump it up and out of the way so that water can't get into um, into the... Into the uh, into the poo, into the poo channels, into the poo pipes, into the black water. Uh, they're going to put a non-return valve as well, also known as a check valve or a retention valve, and it's designed to allow fluid to flow in one direction only, preventing liquid from flowing back upstream of the valve. That's a good idea. So, 21 residents whose properties often flood, uh, they're going to be worked on. So that's good, isn't it? That's a good story there. Yeah. Good story. Nothing like a good story from time to time. Now, tears and recriminations as Northern Regional Council Chair is elected. Oh, yes, accusations, claims, and counterclaims flew in the um, in the in the uh, what is it? Complete takeover. Yes, yeah, it is. It's a complete takeover of Northern Regional Council. Brilliant by a right-leaning five-person majority elected farmer. Uh, his name is um, Jeff Crawford. He's going to be the chair. So let's hope for the northern farmers that they stop all this nonsense uh, for the regional council where they say basically anything over a certain uh, slope, you won't be able to farm on it, you won't be able to run your stock on it anymore. Talked about that yesterday, didn't we? 
so yeah, if you look at look at the map, man, it looks like about seventy percent of Northland won't be able to, you won't be able to run stock on it. So let's hope these. Um, he's a he's a former farmer too, didn't he say? Right leaning five person majority elected farmer Jeff Crawford as the chair. Good. So hopefully all that rubbish, all that globalist leftist nonsense, uh, you know, to take over, uh, to force people off their farms and into smart cities is going to be a thing of the past. Okay, now, um, there is a morphine shortage. We talked about that, didn't we? We are, we're getting back to repeats now. So we're over at Radio New Zealand. I'll be back in a minute uh, because I want you to hear from Rosa Corey. She is up to date with um, this whole thing, which uh, every council in pretty much the world, in the Western world, they're trying to um, get people off the land. They want farmers off the land. They're actually just taking the land off people. That's what they do. All these rules and regulations are designed to make people walk off the land and then the, the government will own it. And I don't believe the new regime are going to be any better. They're just, instead of being communist globalists, they're going to be fascist globalists. Gaza starts a war to kill as many Israelis as possible. And all you see on the BBC and Sky News, as we see in America on our TV, is dead Gazans. That's all you see. I shudder to think if in World War II the same media covered World War II, you would have seen far more dead German civilians than dead British civilians. But it takes a very, very frail moral mind to believe that you determine right and wrong by the number of dead. That's what we are told. Look at how many Gazans were killed and how few Israelis. Well, look at how many, few, how few Brits were killed and how many more Germans were. Does that make the Germans right in World War II? That's, that's the facile moral thinking that pervades our world. Mm, absolutely right. Dennis Prager there speaking some more sense. 24 minutes past seven. Um, I've, got, I've got Rosa Corey coming up very shortly. Uh, she'll be up. She's going to tell you all about how the globalists are going to do this, how, what they're doing. And uh, it's an agenda, Agenda 2030, and what's her name? Old, um, the mentally ill patient, the one that had a nervous breakdown, that's why she left. Jacinda Ardern, dame now, they made her a dame. <laughs> they reward them all. They re- reward all the crooks with uh, knighthoods and damehoods. But we'll hear from Rosa Corey. God bless her soul. I want to show, show some warning signs of a disrespectful wife and just some patterns that I've noticed that you can see in relationships about who runs them. Let's, let's pull it up. You married? Yeah. No, she's the best. Okay. She's a saint, and she puts up with me. And uh, I actually run jokes by her. Do you really? Yeah. Like, should I say this? Is this going to, you know, nowadays, it's always that. Should I? It's so weird now. Okay, so he's, he admits a couple things. She's a saint, and she puts up. Typically, men with this mindset actually have a wife that is not a saint, and typically degrades him to make him think that he is the problem. Just, just what I've noticed. Welcome to the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards. This is a plan that was agreed to by 179 nations. It's called the Agenda for the 21st Century. It's a totalitarian state being developed right now all over the world. It is the inventory and control plan. Inventory and control of all land, all water, all minerals, all plants, all animals, all construction, all means of production, all food, all energy, 
all information and all human beings in the world. And this is a plan that was agreed to by 179 nations back in 1992. It's a United Nations plan. It's called the Agenda for the 21st Century. And so many of us around the world think that, um, well, sustainable development, it just sounds so great. Isn't it about recycling and creative reuse and, uh, and creating energy and food resources for everyone? And the answer is no, it really is not. It's about moving populations into city centers, concentrated city centers, and clearing them out of the rural areas. All systems have to be brought into harmony in order to control them all. Because when systems don't meet, when they're, when they're out of balance or not in sync with one another, they can't be controlled centrally. And the goal of Agenda 21 is one world government and total control from a central unit. Every nation that signed on to Agenda 21 has its, uh, its local Agenda 21 plan. People in the United States are completely unaware of this. If I go out and talk about this, the United States press will attacks me and calls me which is it's totally ridiculous. It is a but it's not a theory. It's a fact. The three pillars of United Nations Agenda 21 are economy, ecology, and equity, the three E's. And everyone's sort of thinks that they know what that means, the idea of social equity. It must mean that, well, everyone's going to have access to clean water and clean air, and uh, no one's uh, property is going to be used as a dumping ground because they are at a poverty level. But really what social equity is about is about impoverishing huge portions of the population and bringing down uh, develop the developed nations Everything that we're looking at now is destined to collapse our economies. It's a totalitarian state to being developed right now all over the world. And what major corporations want in this development is to be able to, uh, to have move, full movement of, of, uh, of workers without borders or boundaries, to be able to move their goods through without regulations, and to reduce wages. And so this is the goal. So this is what you find with social equity. And of course, economy and uh, ecology is about, these are the three circles, economy, ecology, and social equity. And where they meet in the center is balance. But really that balance is a communitarian balance. So it's not balance of well-being of the people. What it is is it's a balance for corporations so that they can exploit and control and have populations in an area, in tightly packed, dense areas, so that they can be surveilled and managed. And this is what that balance looks like as far as the development of a totalitarian state is. The mainstream media is owned by five major corporations, and you're not going to get this information from the mainstream press. So you need to be your own press. You need to educate yourself, you need to get out there and educate your neighbors, your community, your real community. You need to help your children understand that they're being indoctrinated from pre-kindergarten to post-graduate school. All of us have a responsibility to ourselves and to others. This is true community, to work for personal freedom and always remember that even though we work as a group, if we do work as a group, we're all individuals in those groups and we answer only to ourselves.
And this is essential. It's essential as, as, as free human beings, this is what we are. We are free and we need to continue to be free. And I do believe that we will win, but we have to become aware that there is a fight and then make our friends and our neighbors and our community aware as well and work together. Well, there we are, folks. That is the, um, the wonderful Rosa Corrie. She passed away not that long ago. Uh, I think it was last year, actually, passed away. She was a wonderful lady. Uh, yep, I really like it. She, actually, the first time I saw her was on with Billy Tekaheka. He actually interviewed her on one of his programs back at the very start there, back before we all found out that he wasn't quite what we thought he was. But um, I don't know, he does his work, I suppose. He's just sort of sticking to his ministry now, and he's also doing a, a movie. Um, what's it called? Uh, the, the River of Lies or something like that. And um, so people have to pay to go and see that. Apparently it was quite good. John Ansel went to see it. And um, John didn't see eye to eye with Billy Tiki. I didn't either. Uh, but um, John said he had quite a good conversation with him uh, just a few weeks ago. Anyway, we all we want to be free. Let's um, let's hit, take a break from uh, the talk for a minute, and we'll have a, a wonderful old classic, a classic hit uh, called "It's All Right Now," and it's by a band called Free.
Uh, Douglas, let's start um, with what's going on over there with you. Hang on, mate. That's um, you, You're a bit long. We're not going to have you there. I don't know how you crept in. So it's your Grant Edwards here listening to Liberty NZ. You're welcome to the programme. Uh, it is 24 minutes to 8 o'clock. That's my lot at 8 o'clock. But that was good, wasn't it? A bit of, um, bit of some classic hits there. Uh, from free. Now we'll just whip over to um, News Hub. We're on News Hub at the moment, looking at the uh, the top stories. And uh, Shane Retty seems to be in the gun at the moment. Um, and you know, and the, uh, you know what I've noticed in the last few days, the media are in full attack, full attack mode uh, against the new coalition. They really are. And Winston Peters, um, he's fighting back. And Luxon is uh, backing his man, backing his deputy, which is good. Now, uh, but they really are. You can just sort of feel it, you know, and they're just just some of the words, the, the rhetoric that's coming out of the media. The media is supposed to report both sides of any, any argument, but they're not. They're actually taking sides, and that's wrong. Okay, so we're at News Hub right now, and retired doctor calls for Health Minister Shane Retty, he's Northland uh, Member of Parliament, to resign over scrapping of smoke-free legislation. Now, this is what they say. They say a recent retired intensive care specialist is calling for Health Minister Shane Retty's re- resignation over the government's, government's backtrack on smoke-free legislation. They didn't backtrack. They never went with it. In fact, what I can see now, reading between the lines, is that the Prime Minister, Christopher Luxon, is backtracking on their governments, the coalition governments, saying they're going to scrap it. You can, you can, you can. I heard it. I could, saw it there. I think it was Radio New Zealand or one of the others. Might have been. Yeah, I think it was them. He said, "Well, not at the stage." You know, he's got these weasel words. He needs to just come out and be strong. I want you to be strong, mate. That's what I want you to be like, Winston. As much as we all, you know, know that Winston tells fibs, and um, you know, he says he's going to do stuff, and then doesn't use his MMP to get out of it. But anyway, he seems to be um, seems to be firing on all fours at the moment. But Luxon, you just seem a bit weak, and I just want you to be a bit stronger. So anyway, this retired guy, he says the government's backtrack on the smoke-free legislation, which is nonsense. They never backtrack. The national-led government, they want to revamp the legislation, which would have reduced the number of stores available to sell cigarettes to around about 600, which, which I think is stupid as well. The whole, the whole idea of it is stupid. If people want to smoke cigarettes, they should be allowed to. It's all about taking away people's first personal freedoms. And I spoke about it yesterday. If you want to live in a, a democracy, a, the best kind of democracy is actually a, a republic, actually, democratic republic. So, and that way, because you've got a constitution that's, that's codified that everyone knows and everyone can read, and you don't have to be a, a, a blimmin' constitutional expert to be able to understand it. But just a, just a normal... Um, one something like the Amer- Americas has got. That's what we need here in New Zealand because the monarchies let us down. Get rid of them. They've let us down. I used to be a monarchist. Never, a, never a royalist. You know, bunch of halfwits. But I like the idea of a monarchy, which was supposed to, you know, be the best form of democracy. Uh, it ensured it because people ha- they could only pass laws based on the. Um, constitution but you know who knows what it is <laughs> apparently we have a written constitution here in New Zealand and this um, uh, what are we what are we called we're called a, a monarchy a constitutional monarchy is what we that's our official title but anyway so but I just I believe that we should be allowed to do what we want and people say oh well you know it's costing a lot of money no it's not I talked about this yesterday it's not it doesn't the tax the tax they've got on cigarettes more than pays for the damage and, you know, and even if there was no tax on it, let's just say that you could actually go out there and there was no tax on cigarettes. 
and that the taxpayer, all the non-smokers, had to chip in to pay for people that apparently were, you know, that died of lung cancer, apparently caused by smoking cigarettes. Plenty of people have got lung cancer, have never smoked a cigarette in their life, that's so not caused by that. It might be aggravating, it might be the aggravating symptoms, but I don't think it's the cause of it. Um, if you get the saltpeter taken out of the cigarettes, that would help too. Just so you have to you only put it in so it'll keep, they keep going. But anyway, um, that's the price you pay, isn't it? When you live in a democracy, is that you know people have to have the freedom. Individual rights are important, but what we've got is we've got this collectivism creeping in all over the place. And, and people think it's a good idea, but it's actually a really bad idea. As G. Edward Griffin said, it's a rotten idea because it means that, that majority rules and that means that it's a mathematics, basically. Didn't he say you boil, you boil it down to mathematics? That means three people have more rights than one person. That just doesn't work. When you boil it down to mathematics, it's a really bad idea, isn't it? And there's no such thing as the collective or the group. And, and he, he uses that analogy of, of a forest. A forest doesn't exist. A forest is made up of trees. You go into the forest, but it's not not a forest, is it? It's individual trees. And that's what we've got to be treated like individuals. And all of our, our rights cannot be trodden upon, which is what we saw in the last three years with the COVID pandemic and the um, the jabberoonies and uh, the mandates, mandating people out of work. Now they're all pretending it's not happening. They've got shortages in, in child, early um, school, you know, preschool, child care, you know, because adults don't want to send their kids to be A, indoctrinated by weirdos, and, you know, they had little kids wearing masks all day. It's really bad for them. Doesn't anyone read? Haven't you read the Cochrane Report? They were thinking about getting rid of masks in uh, operating theatres because it said it act, the, the studies showed that it actually caused more bacteria by wearing the masks. So people don't read, they just follow the leader, they listen to Jacinda. <laughs> oh, it was just crazy. Anyway, so this, this guy that's been retired, he um, the National League government, they want to revamp the legislation. And it would also um, limit the number of stores, we got that. But Stephen S- uh, Street, his name is, S-T-R-E-A-T, um, he's also the clinical director of the Organ Donation New Zealand for more than a decade, he has been. And he said he saw patients with limbs amputated and suffered heart attacks and strokes and lung disease and pneumonia, all from their exposure to smoking. Well, I actually don't agree with that. I don't I don't think that's the cause. And like I said, plenty of cases of people with all of the problems that he's mentioned and they've never smoked a cigarette in their life and never been around anyone that smokes them. So, And it, yes, it could be an aggravating problem. No doubt about that. Anyway... Um, he was not the only one furious about the law change. Rhys Jones, now who's he? Father and grandfather, he died. There's all this emotive stuff now coming out. Uh, basically, uh, you guys have got to understand that people, sh- if they want to smoke, they should be allowed to smoke. It's called freedom of, um, it's called freedom. And we've got into this habit of just exp- of thinking that we can rule other people, that we can control their lives. We don't have that right. And that's why I don't think there should be any such thing as hate speech, because you know no one died from hate speech. People die from uh, from uh, inciting violence. People um, you know incite someone to violence. And we've got plenty of laws for that, so we don't need to have hate speech laws brought into the into the market uh, into our laws. Um, but I tell you what, um, we've got to be free to be able to do what we want. And if I want to go and have a cigarette, I jolly well will. 
And if I can't go, if I want to, if I if I want if I want to smoke a joint, I will. I don't because I know it's how dangerous it is. I actually know that that is way more dangerous than people realise. Um, the psychological effects of smoking marijuana are absolutely shocking, and that's all been covered up as well. But anyway, that's another thing. But it's my choice. If I want to, I will. And um, if the New Zealand government, you know, it almost makes me want to go out and and you know just go out and buy some smokes <laughs> just, but if you can't go out and buy your cigarettes well then we'll make our own and I know people that can that make better tobacco than um, any of the manufacturers here in this country they are very good at blending it and that's what's going to happen it'll actually be just there'll be more money in their pocket and you know what I think there's a case to answer you can't stop people doing what they want to do so long as they're not harming anyone else and then they tried to make out, oh, passive smoke and all that. There's no evidential foundation for that. That's all baloney. I mean, if you're going to do that, you could stop people from, you know, having a having a, a, a fire in the house or something, you know, like an open fire or even a, you know, pot belly or something, or, you know, driving a car that puffs out smoke in the traffic. I mean, that'd be far, far more detrimental to you than, than a bit of lovely tobacco burning away, the wonderful aroma of a nice cigar or a pipe. Not many people smoke pipes anymore, do they? Anyway, um, so yeah, and I think, you know, when people say, oh, I'll get throat cancer and all that, and some of these people have never smoked in their life. And those that do get throat cancer that have smoked, probably the smoking might have just aggravated, but I don't think it was the cause. I think, I actually believe the cause is two things. Start with a V, VD and vaccines. I've said this all along, and I tell you what, I'm going to be proven to be right. 15 minutes to 8, I'm going to end at 8. And it's been lovely this morning here. Very therapeutic for me. <laughs> uh, now, um, I'm going to, uh, we're going to stay where we are. We are over at, fancy this person saying, shameful behavior calls for health minister to quit. Absolute rubbish. I think he's a good guy. Uh, in this instance, Shane Reddy's right. He was very wrong on the COVID um, rubbish. Uh, now, we go to the public service. We'll have a look at that. First of all, it says here, the Reserve Bank defends its Maori uh, use amid the government's plans to roll it back in the public sector. Well, you can defend it all you like. It's going. Uh, Five-sixths of New Zealanders don't speak Māori. In fact, most Māori don't speak Māori. Uh, so it's going because we, you never had a vote. No one asked us. The, the communists just did it. So we've got these leftists which are still in control. The public service is full of leftists, communists, and they've all got to go. Got to have a clean out. They are the deep state. They're going to have to be sorted out. Okay, an economy, dangerous and inflationary. Boss of U.S. largest bank issues recession warning to the world because they're doing the Great Reset, so they have to do that. Over in sport, England captain Farrell, he takes a break from Test Rugby to prioritise mental health, so he's having a nervous breakdown. And in public service, how expensive could the government's removal of the Maori language be on its buildings? Well, how expensive was it to put it there in the first place? It's irrelevant. It's got to go. It's pissing off too many people, and it has to go. No one asked us. Uh, another tropical cyclone could be on the way for north of uh, for the North Island uh, next week, apparently, according to forecasters. We better should I have a look at that. I'll come back to that. I'll remind myself to come back to that. Now the other heading here we've got um, not based on reality. Auckland restaurant axe attacker acquitted on grounds of insanity. And uh, then we've got the um, the Briscoes lady. I'm, I'm sure that'll be the one that does the ads, the one that everyone, all the young men, uh, all, all the men of the of the country wanted to marry her. They all fall, fell in love with her. 
Uh, she said that thieves have been stealing brass altarpieces from the Anglican church. So she's a good old Anglican. And then the Wellington mayor, she says, I'm flawed. I'm a flawed person. Yeah, okay. Well, you're even more flawed if you don't resign. Wellington mayor, Tori Huanau, she admits alcohol problem. She, she admits she's a drunk, does she? Probably not. Probably says, I've got alcoholism, turns it into a disease, so that gives her an excuse to do it. Uh, that's my problem. Oh, you blame the disease instead of just taking responsibility and, you know, just having self-control. Another tropical cyclone. Now, that, we'd have a look at that, see what's going on there. They'll be blaming global warming. Niwa, what did they say? Yeah, they say another tropical cyclone could form over the next few days for the north area of... Look, they're still using Aotearoa. This is a public service. The News Hub, are they private? Oh, they might be private. They can get, they can get away with it. They can do what they like. But anything that we have to pay money for, uh, like Radio New Zealand, Television New Zealand... Uh, that all has to change. All that Murray stuff got to change. Got to stop it. Another tropical cyclone could form over the next few days over the north northern area of they said Aotearoa, but there's no such place. Of of New Zealand forecasters say, and it could be the third for the season after tropical cyclone Mao barreled past Fiji in November, and tropical cyclone Lola smashed into Vanuatu in October. Niwa said that this year a large patch of the Pacific Ocean and they use some Maori term there as well uh, of the Pacific Ocean is warmer than normal yeah because of global warming <laughs> climate change um, it's, uh, and, and New Zealand has felt its effects the agency said that the warm Pacific waters have caused different effects to the atmospheric conditions versus the past El Nino events Stephen Glassy he is the meteorologist for the Met Service which they put in some Maori name uh, that's got to change. He told the New Zealand Herald, because that's government, New Zealand Herald, there is a moderate risk of a cyclone forming near the Solomon Islands midweek next week. Uh, it's also possible a low-pressure front hanging northeast of Fiji could move west into part of the ocean where it's easier for cyclones to form. He says there's no indication that we'll get a tropical cyclone coming towards New Zealand at this stage, but he said we've got to keep a lookout. Ben Knoll, he's a meteorologist with Niwa, he told the New Zealand Herald that we're yet to see what damage the possible cyclone could do here. He says that you can start to see that increased risk of a cyclone system forming during the first week to 10 days of the month. Okay. Noel said uh, the weather forecast for, use some Maori word, uh, oh there's my rabbit, oh no that's a rabbit. And he's a bit small. Uh, the one I saw hopping up, he was sort of running up like a dog. This one's hopping little white backsides, you know, as they do. Um, the other one was a hare, and he, gosh, he was big. He was like a, like a baby. Um, um, what are those ones that they do? Like a, the ones that do, they do the running, you know, the the gambling ones. What are they called? Greyhound. <laughs> he just ran up the road like a greyhound. When I got out there, he'd gone like a flash as well. Okay, so they said, um, so so this is Noel. He said that the weather forecast for the North Island in December has nothing to do with tropical cyclones. Uh, rather, it's El Nino that's boosting sea, sea surface temperatures in the eastern and western Pacific, which could provide the fuel for more cyclones. Niwa's models have modelers have forecast a high risk of cyclones across the Western Pacific, which happens every year. That's why all the yachties sail down to New Zealand at this time of the year, well before now, oh, yeah, about now, uh, or maybe a little earlier. Um, however, given that the first two cyclones of the season swung near us, it's impossible to say exactly 
what the third one will do. Another factor in the what they call the Madden-Julian oscillation, the MGO, which Niwa said could contribute to cyclone formation. Uh, for, for New Zealand, the risk of cyclones is lower due to the high pressure system above above us over the summer period, which makes it harder for large storms to push their way in. The tropical cyclone season lasts from the start of November until the end of April. That's when that is. Uh, another story here, this is the most viewed story on News Hub, and it's Christopher Luxon refuses to pull Winston Peters into line. Why should he? Uh, he hasn't seen anything wrong. Over anti-media comments, he laughs it off. The coalition, just get rid of that, coalition government officially got to work on Wednesday, holding its first proper cabinet meeting and signing off its 100-day plan. The 49-point checklist includes... Uh, includes a lot of stop work notices and repealing of Labour's laws. Good, because they were crazy. Including the scrap, scrap heap, uh, on the scrap heap, included on them, uh, the Auckland fuel tax. Good. The clean car discount. Great. Speed limit reductions. They're on the heap. Good. Um, the prisoner reduction target. They wanted to reduce it by 30%. Well, that's nonsense. We've actually got prisons that don't have an, they're, they're, they're empty. There's a lot of prison, prisons that aren't full at all. So that's it's an absolute rubbish there. It was just um, they because the globe the globalist communists they want everything to get really bad. They want a lot of um, high crime. If there's a lot of high crime, it means that they can bring in their uh, digital digital ID uh, a lot quicker, so that we're all you know surveilled. That's the whole idea of it. So they have crime increasing. That's happening all over the Western world at the moment. Crime crime is increasing, and it's done. They do it for a reason, uh, so they can bring in their digital ID and have us all marked like animals, which is what the Bible says is going to happen eventually, anyway. But not to me, because I won't be taking it. I'll um, I will, I will. If 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 I'm wrong and we don't get raptured before the Antichrist is revealed and we end up having to go through the tribulation period, um, then I will be be beheaded, because that's what the Bible says is going to happen to us. So either the Muslims are going to take over. <laughs> And beheat everybody, or the French, the bloody French. The French are going to take over with their um, guillotines. And you hear all sorts of stuff, you know, about America stockpiling guillotines and all that. And uh, Barry Smith used to say there'll be roadside executions. They'll be rounding people up. If they won't take the mark of the beast, if they won't sign up to it, they just get executed on the spot. Summary executions. Okay, so what are they going to scrap? Well, they're going to scrap the uh, the fuel tax, as we said, the clean car discount, you know, basically ute tax. Uh, speed limit reduction they're going to do that as well hopefully um, speed limit reductions good that's got to go that's fin- that's going to cost a fortune that's gonna- they'll be able to finance a lot of things getting rid of all this rubbish uh, the prison re- reduction target that's where I went on went off on a tangent Labour's RMA that's the Resource Management Act reforms fair pay agreements the mega polytech merger and Auckland light rail gun law oh good and all working relating to the he pua pua the Māori Health Authority, so there will no bit, no more separate authority for Māori, and the smoke-free laws. Good. The uh, can't, you can't do this to us. You know, we, people have got to be free to be able to do what they want. They're not harming anyone else. It's just really rubbish. And uh, anyway, the new government will also look at uh, starting the implementation uh, of some some policies for its own, including legislation to reintroduce the 90-day employment trial. Banning cell phones in schools, good idea. Banning gang patches, dumb idea. Dumb idea. You, you can't do that. You, that. That's what communists do. Banning clothing. <laughs> Banning certain clothing. No, no, no. That's wrong. That's That actually um, goes against the Bill of Rights. That's freedom of expression. 
those gang patches, they are. They come down under the Bill of Rights. It's all forms. You read it, just read it. Go and look it up on legislation.gov.nz. I think it's legislation or legislate.gov.nz and look up the Bill of Rights 1990, otherwise known as BORA, the Bill of Rights Act 1990, um, Freedom of Expression. Uh, that's one of that is in any form, all forms, and that's what these gang members are doing. And anyway, I want to know who they are. I don't want them hiding. I want to know who they are. And the other, the other idiot there, Mitchell, he's going to be the police minister. He says that um, he wants to, want, he he's going to demand that gang members put women's women's foundation on, so that when they go out in public, no one sees their gang their gang tattoos. Well, how dumb is that? So you can ban makeup. <laughs> so face painting is banned. <laughs> so what about the other people that have no gang relations? Their faces are full of desecration. What about that? No, that's a dumb idea. So, I mean, all of the ideas I think are quite good, except for that one. That is a real dummy. And I don't know who put that one forward, whether it's Mitchell. But he sounds like a halfwit, I have to say. They need to replace him with someone with some some brains. Um, so we've got the 90-day employment thing, the gang patch is a dumb idea. Um, settling health targets for waiting times and cancer treatment. Yeah, allow, if you want to stop cancer treatment, stop vaccinating kids. Stop the cancer. <laughs> That's what I reckon. Anyway, stop cancer and, and um, teach teach kids to not, um, not be uh, sexually active until they get married. Yeah, VD and vaccines, they're the big push, the drivers. Now, pseudoephedrine, um, that's a cold medicine in pharmacies. They're going to bring that back in. They're going to allow the sale of pseudo, uh, pseudoethedrine. And the chemists are up in arms about that. Yesterday, they're a bit worried about that. They think that it's going to, their chemists are going to be targeted because apparently they use pseudoethedrine to make other stuff. Um, okay. Now, uh, medicine, uh, yeah, pharmacies. Okay, so that's that. And then, then you've got um, the Prime Minister, Chris Luxon. He held his first uh, uh, press meeting, what a cabinet press conference, post-cabinet. That was yesterday. And with a hop, skip and a jump. See how it's disrespectful. This is the Prime Minister you're talking about, these people. And look, here's another disrespectful little heading here. Peters makes false claim government bribed media just after becoming deputy. He did they were bribed. It wasn't a false claim. And for you to say that as a media organisation, I mean, I'm giving my opinion. I'm not reading the news. But for a media organisation to say that he made false claims, to write it like that, it should be that Winston Peters accuses the government of bribing the media. And that's that's the heading. It shouldn't be that it makes a false claim because you don't know that it's not false. And I know people within uh, Television New Zealand, Radio New Zealand, uh, they know that it and also media works. And... They were bribed. They had to say certain things. There were rules. That money that they were given, and it's way more than $55 million too, that was just the start of it, plus all the hundreds of millions of dollars in advertising for the COVID jab, they were given rules. And they would have to pay that money back if they broke those rules. That is a bribe. That's what that is. If you just get given a grant... But if it comes with strings attached, that's a bri- that's bribery. And that's what the, Nash- the Lab- Labour government have done. Peters is right. And, you know, Mike Hosking, you're wrong. You're ignorant, I'm sorry to say. Uh, I heard you say on, a, on your podcast, and your Mike's minute or whatever, that it didn't happen, that it's rubbish. It's not rubbish. It's not rubbish at all. I know too many people um, that were um, high, high up, close to management, that knew. I mean, you might not know. You might not be anywhere near management. You might not know what's going on. But they had to pay that money back. 
to the government if they broke the rules. Prime Minister Chris Hipkins, he is held... Uh, right, as so we've got that. And look at this with this hop, skip and a jump uh, to the podium of power. Uh, the countdown on the on outcomes has begun. Now, um, what Chris Luxon says, I'm determined to start early and to work incredibly quickly to put in place the foundations of the programme uh, of work we have identified that is critical to uh, to get the country back on the right track and that work starts today, he said. Now, I like the way he says that. That's good. Starts today. So maybe he's going to be all right. Maybe he's more of a... So I don't think he's as a great a statesman looking. He doesn't sort of come across as the great statesman. But, you know, we, we're going to find out, aren't we, what he's made of. I think he's a collectivist and I think he's actually... When the chips are down, no good. I think he's all talking points. That's what I think he is. I don't think he's really got any real, real knowledge of, um, um, you know, uh, you know what what what's involved in running a country. It's not just about money. It's not about finance. You could you could be a, you could be a good CEO, but it doesn't make, mean you're going to be a good leader of a country. You need to know about civics. You need to know about rights and freedoms and, um, you know, all the philosophical th- points you need to know here's TNT Radio News at 8 after the, the uh, news I'll be back with weather and then that's my lot until tomorrow which is Friday isn't it ok we'll see you soon Play of this hour, go to episodes at tntradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. A crew member who was recovered from the ocean after a U.S. military Osprey aircraft carrying six people crashed Wednesday off southern Japan has been pronounced dead. The cause of the crash and the status of the five others on the aircraft were not immediately known. Initial reports said the aircraft was carrying eight people, but the U.S. military later revised the number to six. The Coast Guard received an emergency call from a fishing boat near the crash site off Yakushima, an island south of Kagoshima, on the southern main island of Kyushu. Coast Guard aircraft and patrol boats found one person who was later pronounced dead at a nearby hospital, and gray-colored debris believed to be from the aircraft. They were found about one kilometer off the eastern coast of Yakushima. An inflatable life raft was also found in the area. There have been five fatal crashes involving the Osprey aircraft since 2012. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has formally apologized to survivors of the thalidomide pharmaceutical tragedy that harmed 10,000 babies globally in the 1950s and 60s. Thalidomide, prescribed to pregnant women for anxiety, morning sickness, and insomnia, led to severe birth defects despite promises of safety. Babies were born with shortened limbs, blindness, deafness, and malformed organs, and many women experienced miscarriages or lost their babies shortly after birth. Mr. Albanese said sorry to all survivors and their families on behalf of the country and parliament on the 62nd anniversary of thalidomide's withdrawal in Australia, acknowledging that the apology was long overdue. There was no system for properly evaluating the safety of medicines, and the terrible cruelty of thalidomide was that far from being safe, just one dose was enough to cause devastating harm. Unidentified assailants on Tuesday wounded four news photographers in the violence-wracked southern Mexican city of Chilpanchingo. Prosecutors in the Pacific Coast state of Guerrero said all four had been taken to a hospital but did not say whether their wounds were serious. All of the journalists appeared to work for local papers and news sites.
State prosecutors said they considered a case of attempted murder. The press group Reporters Without Borders said the attack occurred just outside the local army barracks as the photographers were returning from covering an event. The shooting came just days after three journalists were abducted and held for days in Taxco, also in Guerrero State. They were later released and there was no information on the motive for their abduction. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer reacted on Hannity after a controversial request from first son Hunter Biden's lawyer for a public hearing. This whole process, you, you are a subpoena. My understanding is of your subpoena. You want a closed door, under oath, deposition, and you want materials handed over. Is that correct, sir? That's correct. This is a normal subpoena. This is a normal congressional subpoena. Uh, it's a lawful subpoena. Uh, we have asked him to come in on December 13th. His attorney said today that he would gladly come in, uh, but only for a public hearing. He'll have a public hearing after we do the deposition. This is the way credible investigations are conducted. And Hunter, Hunter Biden is not above the law. Just because he's gotten away with uh, criminal activity by the DOJ, the FBI, the IRS, the National Archives, doesn't mean he's going to be treated that way by the House Oversight Committee. Uh, we are going to abide by the law. Jamie Raskins, the, the ranking member on the House Oversight Committee, did this exact same process. He had this a very similar scenario with Steve Bannon when he was subpoenaed by the January 6th Committee. He wanted to come in, not for a deposition, but for a public hearing. Raskins said he had to sit down for a deposition because that's what the law requires. That's what we require of Hunter Biden. We will gladly have a public hearing with Hunter Biden after we do the deposition to go over the 10,000 plus pages of bank records and documents that we have uh, with with countless questions about specific transactions. Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Okay, we're back here at Liberty and Z Breakfast, and that was the last of the news. And yep, the last of the news until tomorrow morning at four, or possibly yeah, possibly four, uh, but definitely five o'clock tomorrow morning. Lord willing, that's if I make it. Okay, um, we'll we've just check out the weather, and we'll go over to Philip Duncan at uh, weatherwatch.co.nz. Or actually, before we do, we'll just go to. Um, what are we going to Met Service, and we'll just look at the extremes. And it looks as though Auckland is the warmest place to be at the moment. It's six minutes past eight. Uh, Manukau it is, uh, five, 15.7 degrees. Omarama, down in Mackenzie country, is still the lowest. It's warmed up a wee bit, though, 7.3 degrees. The windiest place is still Nugget Point, 22 kilometres. That's eased a bit. And the wettest place is in Invercargill with 0.2 millimetres of rain. Uh, yes, now let's go over to um, Philip Duncan's wonderful website. And he says here we've got a weak high pressure. And it lies over the country today. Within this high pressure are a few heat flows, and they're forming over both islands, and that indicates that summer is coming. For Northland, Auckland, Waikato and the Bay of Plenty, morning cloud breaks to mostly sunny weather, a chance of an isolated shower hanging about the eastern area of the Bay of Plenty, and also uh, you've got some winds from the southwest and afternoon sea breezes for the eastern areas. 19 to 21 for you today. For Western North Island, including the Central North Island, more cloud, uh, morning cloud rather, and you've got some uh, risk of showers. Sunny areas increasing from the afternoon though, west to northwesterly winds, 16 to 18 for your high. For the Eastern North Island, partly cloudy, one or two showers possible. Light winds, they tend east to northeast around midday, dying out in the evening. 22 degrees is your maximum, and uh, possibly might get down as low as 19 
uh, today. And in Wellington, cloud with a few light showers breaking to sun in the afternoon with northerly 17 to 18. Marlborough and Nelson at the top of the South Island. Nelson is mostly sunny with northerlies. Early cloud clears in Marlborough and then mostly sunny with light winds. Cloud overnight brings drizzle or showers, more so in the southern Marlborough region. And you've got winds tending southeast with 19 to 22 degrees for you. In Canterbury, mostly cloudy. North Canterbury may have some sun and then it's going to be clouding up in the afternoon. Uh, from the afternoon, a few light showers or drizzle patches, they start to move in and becoming more widespread in the evening. Light winds tending south to southeast before midday, 14 to 21 degrees for you. For the west coast, mostly cloudy with a few showers, uh, clearing in the afternoon with a few sunny spells breaking through as well. Fjordland is mostly sunny in the afternoon. You've got a bit of morning cloud, that's going to clear up. West to southwesterly winds for you, 16 to 19 is your high. And in Southland and Otago, cloudy areas for Southland and coastal Otago with a few showers, mainly morning uh, for Southland that is, and later in the day for central Otago. Otago, the central part of Otago, you're going to have uh, mostly sort of a mixed bag of sun and cloud. South to southwesterly winds and 13 to 17 degrees is your high. Well, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a bit of a <laughs> a bit of a mixed up uh, radio program this morning, but never mind. You know, some you have these days, don't you? You just do. I don't know what happens. Um, I say things I regret, and then I say things that I'm, I'm and sometimes I regret not saying things. You know, that happens as well. Uh, so now. Uh, We're going to play some music. I have got some classic hits for you lined up. And so uh, stick around because uh, we're going to be playing uh, today's best country and also some classic hits. So we're going to start off with classic hits uh, from now, probably for the next, how long are we going to go for on classic hits? We're going to go right through till almost four o'clock. And then if you want to hear a repeat of this program uh, by at four o'clock, or maybe not four, yeah, possibly four, definitely five, um, this breakfast program will be repeated around about five o'clock this afternoon and uh, if you don't have time to do that well uh, by about nine o'clock we'll be on all the podcasts we're on apple and everything except iheart they don't like me Uh, but we we use uh, podbean so if you um if you join up to podbean it's free uh make sure you follow us because that all helps it all helps and sometimes they send us a bit of money which is nice isn't it 10 past eight we'll see you tomorrow morning With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Why do you need the concept of good there? We're still surviving and we're being nice, kind to each other. Forgive me, Nathaniel, but you're stealing... The standard of goodness from God's universe to try and make your worldview work. But if there is no objective, authoritative, moral standard beyond us, then atheism doesn't work. You know, I think you're right. There is something to that. The, the idea of good and evil is in a lot of ways a religious concept. 